Our scripture reading for this morning can be found in the 44th chapter of Isaiah, the prophet. Prepare your heart and mind for reading of holy text. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who by myself spread out the earth, who confirms the word of his servant and fulfills the prediction of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited, and of the cities of Judah, they shall be rebuilt, and I will raise up their ruins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at Old Testament words, important, used over and over again words that convey a lot of meaning, especially in the book of Isaiah. Over the past couple of weeks, we focused a lot on hope, that, that people who follow God should not be the most pessimistic people in the world because we walk with God and because God takes care of us. We're gonna continue to focus on what it means to be resilient, to be able to bounce back, if you will, and to to continue to go forward no matter what happens around us. And and it's connected to hope, but it won't be only about hope today. We're gonna talk about how God actively helps us, strengthens us, and assists us in the journey forward. We're going to look at uh, the passage that Pastor Maggie read to us today, Isaiah chapter 44. And in it, we're going to look at uh, a word that's in there called redeem. God is called redeemer by the prophet Isaiah and the work that God does for the people of Israel is redemptive work. What does that mean and how does that help us to become resilient? Now, if you remember, Isaiah is written during a time in which God's people, Israel, were in a difficult spot. The very first part of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, are written during a time of anxiety because this rising power over in modern-day Iraq, a country, a a people, a power named Babylon were rising up. The the big dogs in the world at that time were Babylon and Egypt. And Israel was this little tiny country trapped in between the two. And they were always being sort of pushed around by one country or the other. And in this case, this is the time when Babylon is, is rising to power. And they're becoming a threat to God's people. Eventually, the people of Babylon, the armies come in and they defeat Judah, Israel. And they take some of the most learned and top people in their community all the way back to Babylon. They force them to walk uh, to Babylon 
to live there in exile. Chapter 40 through about 50 are written during this time of exile where people are needing hope. They're, they're needing to be reminded that God is with them and they should be resilient. They should not fold, but they should continue to have faith. And so Isaiah 44 comes during this time. Now, one of the things that people uh, during this time believed was that they were in Babylon. They were in exile in Babylon, not only because they were such a big and threatening power, but they also believed there was a theological reason. And the theological reason was that their people, especially their most powerful, their kings and religious leaders, had not been as faithful to God and God alone as they should. In fact, some of the kings are mentioned as not walking with God. They would worship other gods, which we know is called idolatry. And so some of the people in exile began looking back and sort of connecting the dots and realizing that one of the reasons that they went astray and one of the reasons they found themselves in exile is because of their sin. Because they worshiped all these other idols. They allowed these things to happen. And so they found themselves in this difficult and terrible situation. Now, in the Old Testament, sin uh, is sometimes translated as iniquity. Iniquity. In Psalm 38, verse 4, there's an interesting way that the psalmist, the author of the psalm, talks about sin and iniquity. The person writing it, the psalmist, says, that his iniquities are so great, they're, they're sort of overwhelming him. They're, they're sort of getting over his head like he's sinking in, in, in sin. And then he says that it's a burden too difficult to carry, a burden too difficult to carry. So this understanding of, of sin in the Old Testament is that it's a burden that you are forced to carry. It's a burden, it's an anxiety, it's a hurt, it is something that worries you or presses you down to the point at which you don't think you can move. You're sort of stuck in life by these burdens. They're just weighing you down. Like Miss Margaret, who did the children's moment with all those rocks and the pan in her book bag, it becomes so heavy that it is wearing you down. That's what sin is described as in the Old Testament. Weighing you down not letting you to move forward. And so in Isaiah chapter 44, something interesting happens where God has already been telling them for the past few chapters to have hope and to believe that God would take care of them and bring them back home. But this time it goes a step further and God makes several promises. One is in our passage from today, several promises on how to deal with sin because the people can't do it on their own. Now I came up with an image of what this might, might look like, especially if you translate sin as a burden that's too difficult to carry. I remember years ago, I went to see the movie Unbroken in the movie theater. And if you've seen it before, it's about an American POW and many different prisoners of war who are in Japan. And this one prisoner, is forced to pick up this heavy wooden beam and lift it over his head. And if he dropped it, it would be bad news for him. And he's already been in this camp for a while. He's emaciated and weak. 
And somehow he musters the strength to hold this wooden beam over his head long enough that he survives. And it's a powerful image, but you can see every muscle in his arms and in his legs working together to keep that above him. It's a burden, almost too difficult to bear, but somehow he gets through it. Now, thinking about that and how amazing it is, how miraculous it is that he was able to do that, but could he have done that for days? No. At some point, our own abilities give out. And so when we think about these burdens, when we think about these things that weigh us down, whether it's sin or our anxieties or worries, whatever it is, we start to realize that we can try to hold it all by ourselves, but eventually we're going to have to share the weight with someone. So the two words I wanna talk to you about from uh, Isaiah, the first is forgiveness. Now, Isaiah mentions that God forgives the people. Remember that they had done some things wrong before they found themselves in Babylon. And so God talks about forgiving them for their sins. If you read the Psalms, you'll notice how beautiful it is where they say that God forgives sins and he forgets them. Almost like he doesn't remember them anymore. They're erased from existence. At one point, it says that God will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Now you're talking about people that thought of that as the greatest distance you could ever imagine. Separated, pulled away. Forgiveness in the Old Testament is connected to this. It's, it's not just about removing. Instead, what we find in the word forgiveness in the Old Testament, when it applies to God forgiving us, that it's to lift or to carry. To lift or to carry. So when God forgives people of their sin, they're li- he's literally lifting their sin, the burden of their sin off of them. God is lifting up burdens and letting us be relieved of that sin or of that burden. This happens because God cares about us, lifting it up and letting us have a little bit of a break. If we have to carry our burdens by ourselves, we will bend, we will break, but if God lifts them up, then we can keep going. Do you remember Jesus once said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Some of your translations might say all you who are weary and heavy laden. Same thing, heavy laden, carrying burdens, I will give you rest. Now, when we think about this, sometimes we think about rest as What we do after church, we get to go home, take our shoes off and watch a little TV, right? We think about vacation, we get to rest. That's not what this means. When it says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, carrying heavy heavy burdens, I will give you rest. It means that God is gonna lift these burdens off to us that we no longer have to carry them on our own. Think about a car carrying all that luggage that we think we need when we have children. We're going down the road and our tailpipe is almost scraping the ground because we have every possible thing we could think of. That car is heavy laden. And when you take everything out, it comes back up, doesn't it? That's what God does for us. Relieve us from the pressure 
and the, the force pushing down on us by our sin, he forgives it, he lifts it, he carries it away. In the Psalm, Psalm 32, it says that God forgives our iniquity and relieves us of the burden. That's one thing that Isaiah says that God will do to lift the burdens and lift our sins so that we can keep on going. We are not locked into our history or into the present by the sins upon us, that God can relieve those and let us move free. The second word is the one that appears in our passage for today from Psalm, excuse me, from Isaiah 44, verses 20 through 24. And that is the word redeem, redeem. In Hebrew, the word redeem is gall, G-A-A-L. And this word for redeem or redeemer is mentioned not only for God in Isaiah, but of course in the New Testament about Jesus being our redeemer, that on the cross, he redeems us. Through the cross, he forgives us and lifts our sins away. So in this word redeem, it's a little different. It's not about lifting up burdens off of people. The word redeem actually has a lot to do with bankruptcy and about slavery. You see, at this time, if you ran out of money, if you incurred all of these debts and you had no more money to pay, the only thing you had left was you, your body, your soul, your existence. And so you would be sold essentially into slavery to the people that you owed money to. And there were only two ways to be freed from slavery according to Jewish tradition at this time. The first is, is that the master would be kind enough to set you free, which could happen, but not often. The other was that if you had a redeemer, now a redeemer in the Old Testament was someone, usually a family member, who ended up having some wealth. They were able, as a family member, because they cared about you, to pay off your debt or essentially to pay the person who owns you now to set you free. So God is the redeemer of Israel. God is the one who's gonna set them free from where they're stuck. And where are they stuck in Isaiah? They're stuck over in Babylon, right? They had lost, they had been taken away. They were in a sense enslaved in this country far away. And God was gonna be their redeemer. He was going to pay for them to be liberated and to come back. Just how Jesus gives his life to redeem us and to set us free, that we don't have to be stuck anymore. To forgive, to lift and to carry, to redeem, to purchase and to set free. These are the images that Isaiah says help Israel become the kind of people that can be resilient and last through exile. And these can only come from God. God is the only one that can take people who are heavy burdened and stuck in slavery and set them free and to be able to get back home again. In a way, God is the restorer or even the rescuer who redeems them and brings them back. And we can tell that this is part of what is the meaning of Isaiah 44 because in verse 26, we see that when they are freed, 
which they're already redeemed by God, but when they're freed, what will happen? Verse 26 says that Judah and Jerusalem will be inhabited again. So they'll be freed from slavery and they will return home again. God has set them free. You know, when we're heavy laden and burdened and we're, we feel like we're stuck in life, we think we're alone. We think we're all alone and that nobody understands that nobody will lend a hand and that we've got to be like that person in Unbroken and just hold everything up. But that is not the truth. There are more people out there willing to help us and care for us than we can ever imagine. And we have a God who does it as well. This past weekend, I officiated at a wedding in Birmingham here at a former church that I served in. And uh, I was seated at the rehearsal dinner next to some people I didn't know. And it just so happened that we were from the same area and they did, we didn't realize that they sat us there on purpose, but they didn't know how connected we were. So we were sitting there talking about how we ended up getting here. And I said, I'm the pastor that's doing the service uh, tomorrow. And they said, well, we're with one of the families and uh, we're from Augusta, Georgia. I said, you're kidding me. I grew up across the river in Aiken, South Carolina. They said, you're from Aiken? I said, yes. They said, where did you grow up? I said, near downtown, near the, near the library. He said, the husband, he's about 10 years older than me or so. He said, I grew up on Homestead. And I said, I grew up around the corner on Walker Avenue and we were just shocked at the connections that we had and we could say little words and phrases and know exactly what was going on. And he asked me where I went to college and I said, I went, I'm a Gamecock, I went to the University of South Carolina. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Clemson fan. And I said, this conversation is over. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I didn't say that. But, but you know, here I am talking to two strangers that I didn't know at all. And we literally grew up within yards of each other. A little bit different in time. You know, we think there's too much between us. We think there are too many divisions between us. We think no one cares or no one wants to help. And I don't know why we are filled with these fears or lies because there are people out there willing to help. We are more connected than we ever realize. You know, part of what Paul says to the church is that we are partnered together. We are connected through baptism to one another. And he tells Christians in one of the churches, you must carry one another's burdens. You must carry one another's burdens because we're connected. And nobody in the church can never and should never be alone. Now, it's not going to be always somebody like Paul or Peter taking care of them. It's the whole body taking care of one another. And that helps us be resilient because we're not alone. There are people who will do whatever is needed in our midst if we could be vulnerable enough to ask and to share. But it's not just people in a church, it's also God. God is willing to be our redeemer. Now, remember that word redeemer is about a family member who can pay for you. Think about what that says about God. 
You know, theologians say something, how God is the perfect version of whatever God is defined as. So if God is love, then God is perfect love. God doesn't have conditional love where God will only love us this way. God has unconditional love. If, if God is a redeemer and savior, God is not gonna just redeem us a little bit or just a few of us. God is gonna do all of that work if we turn to him. So, so in a sense, what we've got is a God who will do anything and everything to bring us back to him. And so when we think about this, that God is treating us like a family member who's been lost. So God wants to treat us like his own family. We're not alone. We're part of God's family. And God will reach out and help us to lift burdens and to care for us. And that God will also redeem us and free us from whatever we're stuck in. Now, I, I want to be able to tell you today that all you have to do is ask and it will be instantaneous and you will feel an immediate lift. And maybe that will happen. But for most of us, it's a process. It's a journey of turning over our burdens and turning over our anxieties and worries to God and to others. You know, it doesn't just go away overnight. It's a process of trusting in God and allowing God to be our redeemer. But I think it is powerful to know that when God does this work of lifting our burdens and redeeming us and setting us free, it's not just for the sake of his name being glorified. It's because God wants us to continue to be resilient, to be his people and to continue to do the work of the church, the work that Jesus started and that we continue it is forces against God that want the church to be frozen and stuck. But it's God who does the heavy lifting, if you will, so that we can be set free. I think that's a very important thing, not only for us as a people, but also for each of us individually. When we're trying to carry our burdens all by ourselves. What are we doing that for? Shouldn't we get God's help? Shouldn't we have the help of others? I love this story, and I don't know if all of it is true, but I did do the research on the statues, and those are real. So I know that. In New York City, somewhere near, in Manhattan, somewhere near the old RCA building, there is a statue of Atlas. You may remember the story of Atlas, who's holding up the entire world on his shoulders, on his arms. And so there's this statue of Atlas there in Manhattan, and Atlas is sort of just bending a little bit under the weight of the entire world that he's holding up. And people come to take pictures and to see Atlas doing this. Well, there was an evangelist. I think his name is Bruce Lawson. Now, I don't know if this part is true, but he would go to that statue as people were looking at it and taking pictures of Atlas and talk about that image of life and say, does it sometimes feel as though you're holding up the whole world? Does it sometimes feel as though you've got burdens that heavy? Do you feel like you might bend and almost break because you're trying to hold it all? And sometimes they would say, yeah, it kind of feels that way. And he would say, would you come with me? I wanna show you something. And a few would go. And if you look at some of the pictures of Atlas in that statue, you'll see across the street, a cathedral. I think it's St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. And if you go into that cathedral, there is a tiny little statue of 
a young Jesus, uh, eight or nine years old. Now, we don't really know much about Jesus's childhood, only when he was forgotten in Jerusalem and he was teaching all the religious scholars. So this is, you know, it's, it's art, it's religious art. It's a eight or nine year old Jesus and he's standing there just lightly holding up his hand like this. And do you know what's in his hand? The world, the globe. And Jesus is not straining. He's not, he's not you know, overpowered with the weight of the world. This is an eight or nine year old Jesus just holding the world. And so the people that would come in from Atlas, this evangelist would say, you know, we all have a choice. We can try to hold the world on our own shoulders or we can let the one who's holding the world hold on to us. You know, I don't know why we do it. I don't know if it's pride or stubbornness or maybe it's a lack of faith. But when we try to hold it all up ourselves, we're weighing ourselves down and we're getting stuck in our reality. But what God wants to do is to forgive us and lift the burden. What God wants to do is to redeem us and set us free. So the question for all of us today is, where do you wanna be? Do you wanna be holding up the earth or do you wanna be held up by the one who loves you and cares for you enough to be your redeemer? God makes the offer and does the work. And all we have to do is to learn to come to him because he is the one that can give us the rest. Not rest so that we can take a good old nap, but that's a good idea sometimes. Rest so that we can keep going. Amen and amen.